0: Hey everyone, good evening, hold on just one second. Okay, everyone, I'm checking out a new device. So um, bear with me. Hope this all works really well. Um, Basically, um, our camera system um, uh, has been messed up. And I I was never too happy with it to begin with because it only had a side view. And I'm trying to improve the quality for the next the series of classes, Bezrat Hashem, that we are starting now. And um, for, for this year, it's now the first class of parsha in my life, I'm around probably 12. So it's exciting, but I want to make sure that we have really good quality, both uh, video and audio. Um, Today's a new system. As you can see, I don't have a mic, so um, it's not going to be as pristine as I would like it to be. This week the mic is coming and it will attach to it. It will be hopefully a very good, crisp sound, although I think it should probably be pretty good right now as well. Um, Anybody interested in sponsoring this new system, you can reach out to us, let us know. It's close to $2,000 if anybody wants the merit, the about $1,800 um, for all the little parts that are being put together to create a far more special um, recording uh, experience, a listening experience for all the listeners without a lot of the technical problems we would have in the past. So it might take us a week or two till we get it perfectly right, but I think this will really work. So thank you so much for anybody that's interested in doing that. Let us know. Um, I'd like to dedicate tonight's class was dedicated by um Henry Schwartz, and he dedicates this class. I sent me already a dedication for like a, two weeks ago, but we didn't really have a class. There's all the holidays in the Yom and Tovim, so we didn't have a serious class since then although shabbos and Anyumtu, but those weren't recorded, so this class. Is dedicating it in honor of Hashem. That's a good dedication. I'm sure Hashem derives a lot of <coughs> nachas. May this bring you lots of blessings, abundance. Also, the class was dedicated by Mrs. Miriam Fishman. This was in honor of her father. Let me get his name. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit discombobulated because I was busy with trying to figure out how to run this um, recording. And I'm not... Mr. Tekai, so a little bit, a little bit behind, but here we go. So it was an honor. Today was your father's yard site. His name is Riptuvia Velvel, Ben Mayer. May his neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. He channeled lots of blessings to you for all that you need and all that you want. Thank you. Let me see if anybody is letting me know that the recording is not good. It's coming through well hope it is. And we should be able to see this right now, live on YouTube and on Facebook. Okay, we're ready to go. Um, this is usually the Monday night class. <clears throat> For whatever reason, I'm not in town tomorrow night. So I decided to record this already tonight. So we have an earlier class that you can uh, listen to and hopefully be inspired. Um, the uniqueness tonight class, I think is a very pertinent class to the actual uh, current events that have been going on the last two years. Um, And I'm referring to particularly the pandemic, the corona pandemic, the COVID-19. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from this particular class in our attitude, which even though what I'm going to be saying is maybe not so clear in terms of the Parsha, the essential idea we've spoken about before, I think I'm not saying any major revolutionary innovation but uh, in the context of what we're talking about in the parsha, i think it's very very insightful and it would and hopefully bring a lot of comfort and a lot of clarity to uh, all of us that are struggling and when i'm saying to us i mean myself even though i'm the one teaching the class i struggle with this as much as anybody else does and i need this reminder continuously because it's uh, not not an easy time for the world And it's very, very, very much connected and similar to the time of the flood. The flood was a global catastrophe that impacted all of humanity. And we're under a situation which is a global catastrophe, which is wreaking havoc on the world. We thought we'll be over it, and yet it's still around, and it's still causing a lot of wreckage, damage, pain, and suffering, uh, death, um, illness, and... A lot of, you know, the ramifications of it, a lot of suffering to many people across the world in terms of the lockdowns, financial hardships, all kinds of stuff that it's bringing about. Um, definitely a lot of discomfort, a lot of restrictions. And, and everybody's got their, their political views and their understanding of it, and keeping away from all of that. The bottom line is there is a, a lot of suffering. And um, on the other hand, we discussed so much how we're living at the time of the, without a shadow of a doubt, we're living already at the time of the redemption. So how do we go to reconcile redemption and light at the time of the greatest blessing with what seems to be a huge curse? So the name of the class is The Flood, um, The Greatest Blessing with the Darkest Curse. You choose. Um, that's basically it. Where, There is, as we're going to see, we're in the midst of a situation which, depending on which glasses we're wearing, how we're looking at it, that's going to be our attitude. We can live in, 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 in the gloomiest of darkness or we can live in the brightest light. It's challenging to live in the brightest light. It's not easy. But yet, if we have a deeper understanding, we could, we could bring ourselves to that. But it doesn't mean that we're jolly Running around and frivolous. It's a serious time, but at the same time, if we dig deeper and it takes work, it takes deep work to be able to live with deep faith and recognition. And not only are we going to make it out of this darkness, not only is the world going to come back to normal, it's going to be the new normal, which is the ultimate normal, a normal of godly revelation of this world, like the world has never seen. The world entering into an ab- in a time of abundance of blessing and of goodness. Yes, this narrow passageway into it is pretty difficult. So let's take a look at the story of the flood and let's see if we can derive any lessons how to approach this period that we're living through right now. So in the story of the flood, and Parsh- this is the second Torah portion, Parshas Noach, um, there is a description, right? It's the global flood that came about. And we have a very interesting Rashi. Um, this is on, in chapter 7, Pereg Zion, Genesis and Beresh's, Pasuk Yud Beis, verse 12. What we're going to um, address is seemingly a little bit of a contradiction between two verses, both referring to the flood. In the first verse, it says, in, as we say, Pereg Zion, Pasuk Yud Beis, chapter 7, verse 12, says, The rain was on the earth. 40 days and 40 nights. It was raining. It was a downpour. It was a flood. No, it doesn't say a flood. It said it was raining for 40 days and 40 nights. And then a few verses later, when you're just reading rain, rain is a blessing. Rain is a good thing. Uh, without rain, the world can't survive. Rain brings us food. Rain brings us everything. It sustains us. Any food you eat today is from the rains that happened a while ago. So actually when God is bringing rain on the earth, God is sustaining the entire world. Rain is the greatest blessing. Um, there's another verse a little later. Just one page over here. It's like four, one, two, three, four, five verses later. which means verse number 17 in the same chapter. It says, The mabble. The, the flood was 40 days on the earth. So here's the question. Is it rain or is it a flood? Now we know it was a flood. We know it was a terrible flood. Yet, at the beginning, it, the verse refers to it, the Pasuk refers to it, the Chumash refers to it as rain. So that's the question. Rain, a blessing or a curse? So Rashi says, a a uh, Rashi makes a comment. He says, Immediately, and the first time, Rashi doesn't even wait for the second time. Well, La Halle, York, later it said, Rashi seems not to have been comfortable with the word rain when this is not a rain. This is a this is a horrific flood like the world has never seen. That destroyed, that was the epic destruction. So how would we call it rain, which is a very positive thing. And Rashi brings the question stronger by saying later it's referred to as the, as the flood. And Rashi answers. (inaudible) Initially, when God brought down the rain, it came down with mercy, with compassion. (inaudible) If the people would repent, they were very wicked, the people. If they would repent, it would turn into blessed rains. Rains of blessing. And it would have been an amazing thing. It would have been a great watering of the earth. Probably would have been a lot of water, as we're going to see soon. But it would have... Like a, torrential rains, but not in a way of destruction. It wouldn't have harmed anybody. It would have just brought tremendous blessings. The earth would have responded with abundance. It would have been a bountiful blessing in the world. Maybe the world would have been a semi-Eden, a a semi-Gan-Eden. It would have been beautiful. But when they didn't repent, it turned into a flood. And that's how Rashi reconciles the two verses. First, it says it was rain. Then it was, it was a flood. And the answer is the very same downpour was both. At the beginning, initially, when it was initially released, so to speak, it was rain. It started off as rain because God was giving them a chance to repent and to actually receive a great blessing. It didn't repent, turned into something horrific, turned into this major, major destruction that destroyed all life on the planet. Now, where does Rashi take this from? Where does he derive it from? Um, it so says in midrash. It's a midrash Rabbah. The words of the midrash are slightly different than Rashi, and the midrash is not even bringing, referring to this pasuk, to these two verses. The midrash is referring to later, uh, earlier. It says Hashem says, "I will bring in any maybe." I am bringing. Hold on over here. with that verse? Hashem is talking to Noach the first time, and he says to Vani "Oh, in verse seventeen, but in the previous chapter, chapter six, Perik vol I am bringing the marble ma'ye water on the earth. So over here too, you have marble and water. So the midrash says, let me open up to the midrash, uh, vani hini, hini, maske, mudibre, okay." so the midrash says initially they were water meaning not bad but a blessing when it came down it became a flood it started off as water and then it became a flood in other words the initial uh, impetus was not to harm and in a sense you can say God was hoping that it wouldn't be harm because God has infinite compassion and he doesn't want to hurt his creation. Yes, yeah, so we say that ah, Hashem has compassion on his creations. But when there was no choice, it became a flood. So the, the, the Midrash is pretty vague. It's not saying it too strong, like Rashi says. The Zohar, this is in Zohar Chadash, um, is almost verbatim Rashi. So it's interesting. The question is that Rashi, right? Uh, Rashi uh, seemed to have lived before the. Revelation of the Zohar. but Actually, it's, unless the, this, this, the same thing is stated somewhere else, but here's the almost clear words. Ami Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Come and see. When Hashem brought down the water, initially he, he brought them down with mercy. To show the world. If they will do tshuva, He will receive them. Because God will accept their tshuva, their repentance. How do you see that? Because in the beginning it says, there was rain. But later it says, "There was a flood. Initially it was meant to be that it should be rain. When they didn't do tshuva, they didn't repent. It was a flood. It was a flood. Okay. Literally, almost the words of Rashi. The Zohar. Okay. So now, here we need to. Uh, understand. Um, exactly when did this switch? It was rain and it became a flood. At which point did it switch? Now, we have to say at the beginning it was rain. That means it was blessed. It, it, it was still a blessed downpour. And then it switched. Now, you can say, when did it switch? Now, possibly you can argue. This is a possible argument. And you can say that um, the Mabuk, this flood, lasted for, the actual rain itself was 40 days and 40 nights. But the flood continued for another 150 days. The whole episode of the flood was an entire year. But the, the latter part of the year, the water was receding. For 190 days, the waters were, the flood was churning. The flood was very intense. 40 days and 40 nights, it was raining. And the other 150 days, the waters were still coming from below. Even though it stopped raining from above, there was still, because by the, by the flood, God opened up both the waters, the, the, as the verse says, God opened up the windows of heaven. And God opened up, all broke open all the deep um, subterranean waters as the water came gushing from beneath the earth as well. So, and that was, it continued for 150 days. So one can argue and can say, the rain, the first 40 days, the rain was rain. And that wasn't the curse. It wasn't a flood. Later, the 150-day period that fallow, that's when it became really, really, really toxic. Because we know the water wasn't just simple water. It was also full of sulfur and whatever, hot waters. And that maybe happened after 150 days. That would be a simple solution of reconciling. How it was both rain and it was also a flood. First period was rain after it became a flood. Well, we can't say so, because the second verse says that's that's why Rashi is emphasizing the second verse. Because the second verse says, ar-boim the second verse is referring to the flood itself as our boy the flood itself, the, the I'm sorry, the, the 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 flood was the forty days, the the first forty days of the rain is already called the flood. So we can't say that this the flood only happened 150 days as follow. Well. So the first period of 40 days, it's already a flood. But when exactly in the 40 days? We have to leave room to say that it was partially rain. It was partially rain, then it became a flood. So at which point does this transition happen? Now, since it says in the second verse, the flood was there 40 days, so you have to start counting the flood already from the from day number one. Was the entire 40 days says 40 days. Now you don't have to say the full day. 40 days can be 39, and a little bit of 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 the first day is enough to say that there was a flood for 40 days. So what you're really left with is then to say that when was it gentle rain, not this horrible flood? You'll have to say that, that was only on the first day. That on the first day and how much of the day I don't really know maybe only the first 15 minutes. Maybe the first hour, maybe the first six hours of the day, maybe the first 12 hours. I don't know. Right? We wouldn't know. Um, we would say that the first day it first came down as rain, God gave them a chance to repent. In other words, to see that God means it's serious because he actually, Noah, Noah, uh, uh, Noah predicted and told the people it's going to rain. And it actually started raining. And at a certain point, uh, during the day, it started coming down cats and dogs. It started pouring like crazy. And it became a horrible flood. This possibly could be the explanation Um, that the switch had to happen in the first day. Now, what makes it into a flood from rain? That's number question number one. Is see the question is what is the main destructive? element of the flood, is the destructive element, the ele- main destructive element of a flood was just that there was a whole lot of water, or was the main destructive element of the flood that it was boiling? So if we say that it was boiling water, we can technically say the difference between the first short period when it was rain, and then it became boiling water, and then it became a flood, including the four, first 40 days, was that initially it wasn't boiling water. And in that sense, it could have been Gishmeh Brocha. could have been positive water. It was just it was rainy. Afterwards, it became not it was not only that it was a lot of water, but the fact that it was boiling water. God turned on the heater, so to speak, and and uh, and things heated up, and and was became so hot that literally, the scalded. You couldn't live. It it caused everything to disintegrate. It burnt everything from the heat, intense heat of this boiling, boiling hot and you know, a hot temperature water. Um, That would possibly be an explanation or even if we say that um, we leave out the temperature element and we're just looking at the amount of water was that could be at the beginning it wasn't supposed to be a full 40 day rain or it could have been coming down even if even if it was going to rain for 40 days, but it could have been, you know, all a light rain, not such an intense rain and at the beginning it came down lightly. And then afterwards, it started pouring like crazy. You know, like the flood they had in New York, just uh, a few, you know, right before the holidays. It, it, you see, in a short time, it didn't rain too long. It was the it was the it was the remnants of, uh, I think, Hurricane Ida that came through, and it flew through. They went through the tri-state area, that whole area over there, and it was like crazy. They never measured so much rain in Central Park. It came down like bunches, a bunch of a lot, a massive amount of like very short period of time. So it could be just the intensity of it. But this possibly could be the explanation. We'll reconcile. And that's what Rashi means. First, it was rain. Either, again, it wasn't hot, and it was maybe raining lightly. And then it became both, or either one. Very hot. And in addition to that, or just very, very intense ones. But that happened You have to say, on the first day, at some point. This would possibly be the explanation, and that's probably how most people would understand this Rashi when they're learning it. The Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, questions this. He says he can't say so. Why does he say he can't say so? Because his argument is a simple argument. When the first verse, which says that it was rain, also says an amount of time. Over there it says, and it was the rain on the earth which means that in the first verse, verse number 12, it already identifies the time that it's called Geshem, which Geshem is a good thing. We just prayed for Geshem. We just started saying in our prayer daily, three times a day, we say, we're, we're praising God for bringing us Geshem, giving us rain. Shmini Yatzar is the eighth day of Sukkot. We prayed a communal prayer. It's a very, very auspicious time in which we pray for the rain, or we mention God's uh, tefillah's Geshem, it's called the prayer of rain. So Geshem is a very good blessing. It's a great thing. And on that blessing, that Geshem was on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. So it's saying the rain was 40 days and 40 nights, and now we have a big problem. Because further, it says that the flood was on the earth 40 for 40 days. And here it says that it was 40 days and 40 nights, which means the entire duration of time it was Geshev. So why does Rashi helping us when he says that first it was when God let it down, it was rain. But then it became a flood. When is the then? When did it transition? When we have one verse that says the entire 40 days it was rain. And the other verse that tells us the entire 40 days it was a flood. Now, possible answer. And so there is one of the Moforshim that wants to say the Yifei To'ar. He's not an explanation on Rashi. He's trying to explain what it says in the Midrash earlier, brought you from the Midrash Rabbah, where it says mabul Mayim, that it was both a flood and water. Water generally is a good is, represents a good a blessing. Mabul is a deluge, is, 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 is a flood. It's terrible. So he wants to say that we have to look at it from two angles. God is releasing as it it is being sent out, as it is emerging from the heavens above, it came down as mayim as one. But when it came down to earth, it turned into a flood. So in that sense, we can argue that the same thing was both raining for 40 days and 40 nights, which is a blessing, and also a flood for 40 days and 40 nights, which is a curse. It depends where we're talking about. High up in the atmosphere, as the water is coming down, it's blessed water. And if the water wouldn't change as it's descending somewhere through the atmosphere as it's coming down, if it wouldn't change, it would remain a blessing down here as well. But because the people down here were corrupt, and their corruption turned the blessing into a curse, So that very blessing that's coming down and that is being sent down from above as an enormous blessing that will bring so much good to the world is transitioning and turning into a flood because, God forbid, people down here below are corrupting the blessing. And then everything would make sense. It was rained for 40 days and 40 nights the entire time, coming down from above, mid-air, it was also a flood for 40 days and 40 nights because then when it's hitting earth. That would possibly be a nice explanation how we'll reconcile both. But we can't say that. Because when we go to the first verse, the first puzzle, the one that mentions rain, it says, It was rain on the earth. Now, one, two words, that on the earth it was rain. So you can't give this explanation that we said before. Because our argument that we're trying to answer is saying that on the way as it was descending in heaven, up there, it was rain. Down here, it was a flood. But then you can't say, the rain was on the earth. Then it's up there, or it's rain. From the heavens, it's rain. Down here, however, it's a flood. So, the problem is in other words, this idea. And By the way, this concept that we spoke about would fit very well with what the sages say in general. That from above, no evil comes down, no bad comes down. All bad that happens in the world somehow takes place as it's actually a possible it's in, 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 in Echa, say it on Tisha book, in uh, Lamentations. It goes over there, me from me, it doesn't come out bad. That's amazing. From God, no bad issues for us. God is only blessing and on the source of blessing. And yet, God has made a world in a way that we can take his blessings, God forbid, and mess them up. So it's only at the receiving end where things are received negatively. Okay, this possibly would have been an explanation. As we said earlier, it doesn't work because the verse is saying that it was even rain when it was down here for 40 days and 40 nights. It's our problem. So how are we gonna? What are we gonna do? How are we? How do we figure this out? So here's the answer. Again, the Rebbe's brilliant answer. And he says like this. We have to understand the forty-day rain. Why was it raining for forty days? Why that number? Everything. Uh, we know that Hashem's ways are perfect. It's all measure for measure. Everything is exact. So why did it rain? Why did this so-called punishment? lasts for 40 days i mean the simple answer you would give is that's how long it would take to destroy everything if, not necessarily because it depends on the force of the rain if you ratchet up a couple, a couple of notches more it could have happened in 20 days it would have had the same destruction i mean the measure of how strong it can be is i mean it, 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 it was ferocious but it could have been even worse and then it would have caused the same havoc in less time so why was it 40 days So Rashi brings the reason. Rashi says because the sin that the people did, which was one of the primary sins that caused the flood, was their immorality, their promiscuity. And their immorality caused this flood. Now, as a result of immorality, they were causing illegitimate children, or children that were born from illegal marriages, um, adultery and the like. So when that happens, the time it takes for a fetus to be developed, even though the full pregnancy is usually nine months, but a fetus is developed to an extent that it's considered already a, a full a full fetus at 40 days. The sages say that person can pray if he finds out that his wife is pregnant and he wants to have a boy or a girl Either one, uh, the prayer is not considered in vain the first 40 days. The first 40 days, one can still pray. I don't know if this, you know, today's days, you'll say, based on science, you know, the male female thing is already decided right at the beginning, right at the uh, fertilization of the egg, I think. Um, but I don't know. That's probably not a contradiction to the sages because even if that's the case, it can still change, right? We can, how? prayer can change things. So things can change up to 40 days. After 40 days, it says it's considered a vain, whatever it is, it is. You can't now pray, it should be. So, that would, I guess, require an incredible and extraordinary miracle, and that doesn't necessarily happen as a result of the prayer, and therefore you can't change that. So you see, So what do you see from there? That the 40 days is the time of the formation of a child. Being, so, that, so Rashid brings, being that they were the ones, who, who's the one who's making the child? We know that when it comes to, to um, ourselves, there are, it says there are our children, it says there are three partners in the creation of a human being, father and the mother, and Hashem, and God is obviously the third partner. Humans can't create a child. To create a, a child, you need God creates life. the sages say parents give the give 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 the body various different parts the father certain parts are attributed to the father certain parts come from the mother and god is the one who gives the breath of life god is the one who gives the neshama so all three are partners um being that god is a partner if people are having um are bringing about children in this world in the way that God explicitly had stated that he dislikes it. He doesn't want it. In other words, certain relationships God doesn't like, or God clearly declared that these are, this is a prohibition. So, but yet God did set up the world with a system that we have the ability to create a mess. And not only do we create a mess, but we can kind of compel force god to participate in our mess and that's very painful to hashem in other words god made himself vulnerable when god created a world god made himself vulnerable that he is vulnerable to our to our that we can dictate certain things to him and when we make negative choices which includes also creating a child and it's not the creation of the child in the way god would like it so but we're forcing god because a child is born and god is a partner why is he a partner in it? Because he has to give the soul, or else there wouldn't be a living being. So since they compelled Hashem to do to create children that he very much didn't like, doesn't want to create, which these are all these mamzerim, which are called the illegitimate children, as a result of that, they their punishment needed to be the erasing of those 40 days. So to undo the 40 days of takes the creation of the child, to undo the mess that they forced upon God to participate in. So it was a 40-day destruction. And that's the reason it was 40 days of a flood. This is what Rashi says. If this is the explanation of the 40 days. That means that we have to consider the 40 days not as, you know, a flood came and it would have been a terrible flood for three days. But they needed more punishment so that it rained four days, and that wasn't enough. So it had to rain another six days, another 15 days, another until you reach 40. 40 is the maximum. He's adding more and more punishment until it's like the worst flood ever. It's the value that is being added more and more and more. That's not the explanation. We're talking about the entire flood is a 40 day flood, which means because the entire punishment consists of 40 days of rain, a destruction. A a force that that takes a force of destruction of forty days, because to destroy a creation, a undesirable creation of forty days, requires a forty day destruction. Comes out according to that, you can't divide the days into time into periods. The entire flood is one downpour. It's a forty day downpour. Yes. In other words, what we would say according to that is that when God is releasing or decreeing, releasing that water, sending forth the flood, Hashem didn't send forth the, you know, more water and more water. God released 40 days of water to the world. And the whole thing is one chunk of 40 days. Technically, it comes down here. It has a start and a middle and an end. It's a period of 40 days but the entire 40 days is one entity. The same like in the creation of a child. What differentiates the first 40 days from the rest of the pregnancy? The rest of the pregnancy is in addition to the child. You have already a full developed fetus in 40 days. Now it just needs more detail. More detail. The detail, you know, the differentiation of the fingers, the full, uh, you know, the the specifics. For instance, if the child later, all the way towards the end, the ninth month, the hero grows. You have a child without the hair. You have hair that's growing. You have nails that are being added and so on and so on. These are all all additions to the essential fetus. The essential fetus is a 40-day. The human being is a 40-day creation. So just like the human being essentially is a 40-day entity, in the same way, this punishment that came to erase the undesirable human was a 40-day reign. If that's the case, now we can understand how it can be that it was 40 days of flood, but it was also rain for 40 days. And what does that mean? It means like this. Since the flood, when it's being being released, is not being sent, it's not being delivered as rain for 40 days in which, as we spoke earlier, the water is being added and added for 40 days. The entire flood was one one release. It was one uh, God is sending something to the world. Was one shipment. The entire thing was one transaction. A good word for it. It was one transaction on God's on God's on God's end. And and what was it being that God was hoping that they will do tshuva? It was a forty. It was a shipment of blessing of forty days of rain. So initially, when it was sent out, the entire rain, the entire rain was a blessed rain. And so it was shipped. At the shipping end, it was shipped as a blessing for 40 days. At the receiving end, it was a curse. It was a flood. But, it says earlier, it was rain on the earth because the shipment derived all the way to the earth. Now, when the shipment arrived to earth, the first drops landed on earth. Those first drops that landed or maybe even just the, literally the first drops as it's touching earth is coming down as a shipment of blessing. And at that moment, had the people say, oh, it's really raining. No, was right. Then it would have been rain. It would have been blessed raining. But they didn't. And they were stubborn and they considered con- 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 con, uh, continued rebelling, continued laughing the whole thing off, dismissing the whole thing. So it turned into a flood. It turned into a horrible flood. So technically technically it was only a blessing maybe for the first few minutes, maybe the first hour. But that doesn't mean that the forty days of rain were were, were turned into a curse. The 40 days of rain, meaning in essence, even though only some of the water is touching earth as a blessing, because once it's flipped over right at the beginning of the flood and it becomes a, a flood, it's no more a blessing. But since all the rain is one entity, so we can say that it was delivered, the entire 40 days of rain was delivered to the earth as a blessing, as Geshe. And some of it actually touched the earth, but you can't call it some of it. The rain touched the earth as a blessing. Which rain? The entire forty days. Even though it didn't pass forty days, it only passed fifteen minutes. The entire forty days arrived. It's like the, the the beginning of the box. It's one box. It's one shipment. The uh, the beginning of the box is going through the the doorway as a blessing. So that means the whole box. The delivery is there. when they when the UPS uh, the FedEx guy delivers your box, and he puts it by the door. It's touched. It's it's at your house. The whole package was delivered. Doesn't make a difference. The fact that you didn't bring yet the whole, uh, you know, box into your house—that's a different. That's a, that's already that's already your business. As it was delivered from God, the entire forty-day chunk of rain was rain. Then it became a flood immediately. Turned over within the first few seconds, it became a flood. So both are true. It was a flood for 40 days. And it rained. And it rained for 40 days. Because what it was initially sent to was 40. So now it makes sense. So it's when when Rashi says, let's go back. the beginning, it was like this. And then it was this. We're not talking about, you know, we're talking about the entire, the entire rain was both blessing and curse because it was it was immediately flipped over for darkness. But what was flipped over the entire package, which the entire thing was initially supposed to be rain Okay. Um, the question we still have over here, and we have to deal with, is: we just explained. Why God is making it rain for punishment for forty days? Because He's he, he He's going to destroy the 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 humans that are that were or Hashem is punishing the world for creating human beings, a creation of forty days. So the the negative the negativity of the flood we can explain deserves forty days. But that's only the negative flood. The positive flood. What's its relationship to 40 days? The positive rain. See, the negativity of the flood, 40 days, we understand. You're creating these these mom's area for 40, and 40 days. So the destruction is a 40-day destruction. But we're saying that God initially released this rain as a blessing. So you have to say that in the blessing as well... In the blessing as well, there was something about 40. Because we're saying that the whole thing was one entity. It was 40 days of Gesheh, of rain, which is a big blessing. So what's the significance? Why would God be sending a a, a a shipment of blessing, a 40-day blessing? What's the content in that? We can't say it was only the negative of it. Because we're saying that when it was shipped from God, at the shipping end, there was a blessing. Yes, God knew that if they're not going to do teshuvah, if they're not going to repent, he's going to turn it into a curse. And then it makes sense that it's a 40-day curse. So, I mean, technically you can argue, say like this, the only, in other words, really, he's reacting to the negativity of mankind. And he wants to punish mankind. But because he's so gracious and so kind and so infinitely merciful, so even that he doesn't want to do in a bad way, so he takes that 40-day, which is negative uh, uh, deluge, that 40-day negative flood, and he and, and, and he's first sending it as a blessing. So then it doesn't really have to be that there's content in the 40 days for good. The main thing is that it's the content, is not adhered to and not repented, and the people don't repent, it will be 40 days destruction. Yeah, but, 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 but after everything is said and done, it was still initially sent off as 40 days of blessing. Not like, not like we generally would learn, that God said, let me make it rain a little bit, and so it will be a blessing, and if they don't return, and if they don't do tshuva, I'll let it rain for 40 days. Because then it wouldn't have been, by and then it wouldn't have been rain for 40 days as, as a blessing then immediately the, the, from God's end as well, you know, uh, after the first hour, it's coming out with God's, with God's fury and with God's anger. But it's not that way. We're saying he sent the whole thing off as a blessing. If he's sending the whole thing off as a blessing, why 40-day blessing? And the answer to that is, it says in the Kuti Torah, we're familiar with this idea, we mentioned it so many times in the Noah classes, Kutai Torah from Rav Zalman of Liadi, in which he explains that the Mabal has an amazing other function. The, the flood in addition to it being a, a flood of destruction is also a purification. We know that to purify from any kind of any kind of ritual impurity, one has to dip in a mikvah. one has to immerse in a mikvah and a mikvah has a certain measure of water. You got to go into that water and not want to be anything on your body. So the body, the water, actually touches the body and covers the entire body. And the sages learn out that the amount for it to be kosher for a mikvah has to be 40 sa'ah. So it's a certain measurement. That much qualifies a mikvah. So the Afshner Zalman of the Yavis says an amazing thing, that the reason it rained for 40 days and 40 nights was because the earth then was so defiled, was so impure, the world needed a cleansing, a spiritual cleansing. So God... Dipped the world in a mikvah. And since a mikvah halachitli has to relate to the number 40, 40 sa'ah, you can't dip the whole world into 40 sa'ah. So instead, the concept of number 40 relating to a mikvah is in the word mikvah starts with a mem, and the word mabo also starts with a mem, and mem is 40. So the first, so the idea, so, so, so in order to have the number 40, which obviously is deeply connected to this to the uh, spiritual dynamics of what this mikvah is, to the potency, the power of the mikvah, to take a defiled person and create a whole renewal. You see, by the way, an amazing thing that when a convert, um, it's not just changing a person from impure to being pure. One of the processes of conversion, which means from becoming Gentile into a Jew, which is considered like a new child, completely complete rebirth, is immersing in a mikvah. And that's why a woman, women, before they are going to have a child in the sense that before they become pregnant, before they conceive, go through the process of a mikvah. Not necessarily always right before they conceive, but in order for them to be kosher uh, for their husbands, they have to also go to the mikvah in order to create life, everything new. A mikvah has the power of rejuvenation, recreation. It's almost like a new person. Go into the mikvah, you're one person, come out of the mikvah. One of the reasons is because under the water you can't live. You come out like a new person, breathing new life, but it only works if the mikvah has the right amount of water, which is 40 40 sa'ah. So 40 days and 40 nights submerging the entire world. And the verses emphasize that God made sure the waters went up above the tallest mountains. The entire world, just like in a mikvah, you can't have one hair of your body sticking out or else it's not considered the mikvah has not had its effect. The purification doesn't take effect. So to the entire globe, had to be submerged in the water. God dipped the world in the sun, and the purpose was cleansing, purification. After the flood, the world is the purified world. That's the concept of the mikvah. That's why we know, we find in the Navi, that the flood is also referred to as May noach the water of Noach. Which is interesting, because why would it be the water of Noach? Noach is the guy who is the anti-flood. The flood didn't come because of Noah. The flood became because of the corrupt people. Noach is the one person that didn't deserve the flood. And he is being saved from the flood. And he's saving humanity from the flood. So the little bit that the flood did not affect in destruction was the Noah. Noach was exempt from the flood. If Noach is exempt from the flood, then... Um, then then why are we calling the flood the waters of milk? And the answer is because there was another dimension to the flood, and that is purification and holiness. And Why did the world get the purification? Because there was a holy man who was pure. There was one human being who did not get corrupted, did not follow along with the masses, stood his ground, remained loyal to God and pure and holy. So he initiated the waters to help purify the world. In that sense, if that's the case, so we now understand that the 40 has a positive element as well. The 40 is not just 40, a, a, a flood, a destructive force of 40 to destroy a sin of 40, but there is a holiness to 40. The world is receiving a purification, a mikvah dip, a submergence of the mikvah of 40. According to now this deeper understanding so we're actually can even enrich what we said before we don't have to say early we said that from God it was a shipment of 40 days of blessing and that shipment arrived all the way to earth because it says but it's landing on earth was only the first <laughs> the outside of the box the very very beginning the first drops of water landing on earth landed as rain but since they represent and they're part of the entire the entire thing it is right to say that it was delivered down here as blessings not as curse and the curse only happened after that's what we said earlier so it's like a, still a little not so tasty why because ultimately yeah only the beginning of the shipment part of the shipment landed as a blessing but the continuation of this water on earth, is is not good it's only that we're not differentiating between water and water because the whole thing is one but now we can say even better we can say that the continuation of the 40 days was continuously rain because the very same flood had a dual had a dual meaning the flood was both blessed waters and a cursed flood at the same time the entire 40 days because every day of the 40 days was part of this purification just like a mikvah. Every sa'a, you need, you know, let's say, let's say, a, 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 a sa'a is a pitcher. Okay, we have a pitcher. Sa'ah. You need one pitcher, two pitchers, you need 40 pitchers of water, and only the gathering of all these pitchers of water all together. Problem is, you can't use a pitcher, it has to come, the water has to come, it can't be made. sure of him, and I'm, I'm not going into to the halachas of mikvah, but. The idea is the measure of 40 and only all of them together create the purification. So too, the purification of the earth only came from all the 40 days together. So that means all the 40 days, the entire 40 days was a 40 day purification of rain on the earth. At the very same time, It was wreaking havoc and destroying and snuffing life out of every human being. It was the darkest thing possible. Literally, men, women, children, hundreds of thousands of people were perishing. Animals, every bit of life on the earth. You couldn't have a worse destruction. It was a holocaust of holocausts. It was horrible. At the very same time, that purification was taking place on earth. so simultaneously a huge blessing and a huge curse at the same time the ageshamalaret the amav the entire time it's both it's both there're two 40s the 40 of the 40 the positive 40 and the negative 40 both together at the same time this will also explain we find that in Malachim in Kings in the Navi Malachim uh, Aleph Kings one chapter six verse verse thirty-eight, the last verse in chapter six, Pedek Vav CHES talking about King Solomon when he built the of Amigdash, when he built the Holy Temple. It was, it, the temple was completed in the 11th year of King Solomon's kingdom. Esrei in his 11th year. Beyerach Bul. In the month of Bul. We never heard of such a month. The month of Bul. Which is the eighth month. Ah, now we know which it is. Because no one would know what the Yerach Bul is. So the, the verse has to say it's the eighth month. Which is the month It's the month that we just blessed? Because um, Tishrei, which is the month of all of the holidays, Rosh Hashanah and all these holidays, is the seventh month. Eighth month is Chodesh Cheshvan, which actually starts with Ches, which is eight. In any case, so what happened? They completed the temple. The Beis was finished and completed. It wasn't inaugurated until a year later. Tishrei, the year later, but it was completed and finished. It took seven years to build. Seven year construction. Shlomo Amelach completed this construction of the holy temple seven years. When? In the month of Cheshu. Now, what does the verse refer to this month? Chodesh Bull. What does Bull mean? So, the Midrash says that uh, the word Bull. Is because the same words as almost the full word as Mabul, mabul. mabul means the flood, it's just missing the meme. Now, the sages in general, I'm just going to say the simple meaning of the word bull is it's the month when the earth is nasen bulim bulim, the sages say, which I think means. Because it becomes puddles and puddles because it rains a lot. That's the rainy season in Israel. It's supposed to be the raining season now in uh, in, uh, in in October, October, November. That's when the rain season is supposed to be, and it's blessed rains. That's when we pray for rain. That's when we start praying for rain right now. So what we see over here is that the this this uh, the word mabo. Consists of the word "bull," which is a which which is blessing, which is a blessed rain. And the midrash actually says this is very fascinating. The midrash says that why is it then referred to over here as well? We don't find until the month of Cheshvan being called the month of bull until over here. So the midrash says this is in Yalkut Shemini. This is the midrash on on Malachim. Remes Kufpei Dalit says. Ma'ar b'yerech bul b'yerech shatzket bul bul and davracha Ma'ar b'yerech bul b'yerech ma'abul in the in the in the in the in the month of the ma'abul, but chaser mem because the ma'abul started in the month of Cheshvan. When did the flood begin? On the seventeenth day of the month of Cheshvan. But now, referring to King Solomon building the temple, it mentions the word ma'abul but without the mem. So that's what the Medrash says. It's bull. It's ma, it's the month of the Mabul without the Mem. Why? So the Medrash says because even though God had made an oath to Noah that He's never ever going to send another flood, uh, mm-hmm. yet those very forty days from when every year, from when the flood began, which is the seventeenth day of Cheshvan, for the next forty days. I think you start counting on the 18th day Rashi says of Keshwa the next 40 days every year, it was a very negative time. And it had an impact. The fact that there was a flood here in this world thousand years earlier, or more than a thousand years earlier, that was actually impacting continuously for hundreds of years that those 40 days were kind of a very negative period of time similar to the three weeks we have now from the time of the destruction of the temple we know it's a dark period those 40 days was a dark period I don't know what it, what kind of things happened maybe negative things happened people were afraid of those 40 days until Shlomo came and Shlomo built the temple and the the 40 negative days stopped so you had the bull without mabul. He pulled the mem away from the mouth ma- from the word mabul, and it's only bull and it's not mem. So it doesn't have the word mabul, it doesn't have flood. And why is it a blessing? But what you see from there, first of all, is that the most of the words of the letters of the word the mabul is, is positive letters. Bull, which means good rain. It's only with that mem, which that mem was spoke earlier, the mem of negativity, the 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 the, the, the dark side of the mem which is creating this marble it's creating this, this darkness. And when the temple was built, it actually was dark. By the way, I saw from Reb of Rupshitz, the great Hasidic master, the same concept, that marble is really a tremendous blessing. It's just, externally, it's a big curse. He says a very interesting idea. He says the word marble is gematria. Hear this. The word marble is Gematria um, 78. Mem and Lamed is 70. 40, Mem is 40, Lamed is 30. So that gives you 70. Beis and Vav is 2 and 6, 78. The same Gematria as the word chasto, God's kindness, His kindness. We keep on saying, Kilo, oilam chasto, for for we kept on shaking the lulav on sukkahs, we said, Hashem olam, for the for 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 the world or forever. hasto is his kindness, his kindness. Mabo is the exact numeric value as his kindness. Oh makes sense. So what do you see from here? He says, because in truth, the Mabo was an incredible kindness, an incredible kindness. But yet there was devastation. It was both. This this concept, that the mabul had a purifying side to it, a mikvah side to it, a positive side to it. But because they didn't it, they didn't do repentance, it, it it, turned negative, it turned violent, it turned into a destructive force. It's also seen in that very Midrash, where the Midrash says that, wow, and when God released the rain, he released it as as kind waters to see if they will do tshuva. The words of Rashi. Let's go back to Rashi. Rashi says, If they do tshuva, it will be rain. Those are Rashi's words. I, I, I mean, I think what I'm looking for is actually the Zohar's words. The Zohar's words says, says something a little different. The Zohar says these words, to show the world to show the world if they'll do column they'll be they'll be they'll be accepted so how do we understand that simple understanding is that God is wants is it's is, is, again he's, he's, he's gonna punish them but he's gonna give them another chance so he he started it off nicely and if they would have taken the the hint if they would have caught on and they would have done chuva they would have switched So it was in order, and then it became became very negative. It came back. But what we were saying before is that it continued. Even when it was down here, it was still a a very positive uh, um, event. It was the most negative event and the most positive event. And that, too, is hinted to in this Rashi and in this passage of the Zohar. Because basically what what it's saying is, is that There was a call for tshuva. The simple way of understanding is that if we would do tshuva, then we would change it. If we do tshuva, we can change it and make it good, or we would continue it being good, and if we don't tshuva, it becomes bad. But the deeper meaning is as follows. There's another very important teaching over here, a very important detail. Why didn't the people do tshuva? Let's understand that. Why didn't those people really? If they see rain, warning, waters warning, okay, I understand. They 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 thought it's impossible. But when they see the waters are coming in, I mean, come on, the water is already getting to your neck. And and, and you can you technically can argue that how long was God waiting? It's possible that God would wait at any time, even when they're bubbling in hot water and they're getting scorched and they're screaming and they're saying, "Help me." You would expect at that time they'd do tshuva. And if God really wants to change it, if they're doing tshuva, why wouldn't he stop it? And the answer is he would have stopped it. That means they didn't do tshuva until they breathed their last. They did not do tshuva. They didn't repent. Why not? And the answer is they couldn't. They couldn't. They were so steeped in bad. They were so deeply addicted to their ways that they just did not have any more free choice. It's almost like it says by Pharaoh that the Egyptians lost their free choice. Even when they saw the worst things happening, they couldn't stop it. The level of corruption was so deep, evil had become so entrenched in the heart of the human that it was impossible for them to turn around. And that was one of the horror, the horror of the the period of that time was they reached a point where there was no turning back. So then what is God teasing them and saying, if they're going to do tshubah, if they can't do tshubah? So the Rebbe says it means that it wasn't for them. To show the world means to show all the other generations, not even for them. And what does that mean? Explain that what that means. What was the effect of the mikvah? What was the effect of the mob? The effect of the mob was, what do you think? After the flood, and then we said it was purify the world. And the world hasn't gone corrupt again. The world hasn't gone corrupt. The people of Sodom weren't corrupt. We don't see corruption now in the world. We don't see a lot of evil. That we see many times a lot of a lot of negativity within the world. So what does it mean that purify? What it did to the world was that before the flood, the world was in a situation that it was possible to become to reach a point where there's no turning back. The purification of the of the marble affected the world that we can never reach a point where there's no turning back. At least, I'm not saying for an individual. Rambam says it's possible for an individual that God takes away their free choice. But we're talking about the masses, the world, the community. It cannot, the world can never become corrupted and so darkened that they can't come out of it. We can always do it. And that was the effect of the, the model. And so that's the deeper meaning that we're saying over here. That when Hashem is, is 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 sending the waters of the Geshem down, that if they will do tshuva, it will. It doesn't mean necessarily for them for their generation. What it means is that this waters of forty days, it's not. Let me put it this way: it's not if they will do tshuva, they will stop in the Bible. That's not the meaning. If they will do tshuva, the mabul the is a force of darkness. If they will do tshuva, they will they will counter the mabal. they will stop the mabul, they will stop the flood. That's not the meaning. The meaning is that the mabul itself is a chuva, is is the force of chuva. In other words, this idea that 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 the mabul is leading to chuva is not only as a threat, but that the waters themselves. The waters themselves of the Mabel are chuva waters because the Mabel is purifying the world and making the world chuvable. That's the idea. Now the world will always be able to do tshuva because a result of this flood. And that obviously emphasizes even stronger how the flood was both the darkest and the brightest because it did the biggest rectification possible for the world. Not only at that time, a temporary cleansing, but an internal passageway for every person to rehabilitate himself, for every human being to turn around and, 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 and reconnect. It's very very. There's never a time when a person says, I'm beyond repair. Every person can do tshuva because of that And when Shlomo Melech, we spoke earlier, when King Solomon built the temple, he actually turned over the the those 40 days, which left the negativity. Why? Because the temple, just putting what is do with building the temple. When you build a temple in the world, it further refined, it further purified, it further elevated the world, made the world more sensitive to the divine. So much so that it erased that negativity of the flood. And now the world is far more likely. to be be godly, to be holy. It's much closer to every human being to recognize and to serve his or her creator. So much so that when Mashiach will come, not only will we switch the latter words of the word mabul, the beis vavlamit, but even the mem will switch. Even the mem of the word mabul will switch because we know that the mem of the mabul is also very lofty. As we spoke earlier, it's the forty. Forty cubits of the mikvah, forty cell of the mikvah, but it's also the closed mem, which we discussed in earlier classes. That there was a closed mem and there's an open mem. The open mem is the mem of exile, the mem of darkness. The closed mem is the mem of Mashiach, the the the, the great. You know, this mem comes in two forms. The closed mem represents this higher, this higher um, godly light that's going to be revealed when Mashiach comes, which is the geula, and that. And that godliness is the true, the true mem of of the maalvol. It's just that externally it was the dark mem, internally it's a very high mem. Which now I want to therefore take all of this and connect it to the situation we're in right now. Without a shadow of a doubt, as mentioned, and I and again I'm not uh, I'm not saying this because I'm uh, you know. I'm not saying that I'm saying to you, I'm right, I was right, or anything like this. But if you remember the last couple of years, especially two years ago, I was telling you at that time that we're entering into the zone, the messianic zone. Things are going to happen in the world. Things are going to accelerate. And it was that year that this craziness. But I, 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 sometimes I feel bad that I said these things, because I don't think that I'm the one causing it it. I'm just me. But we all have influence. But what I'm saying is that I, I, had, I, I based on everything in Torah, we reached a very, very pivotal time for redemption. Already but two years ago, as we entered into 5780. Now we're already went into 5782. We're two years into this intense time. And in the middle of 5780, Tavshin pays when this corona hit. Now, I was expecting messianic light. Osma says, the global bursting of miracles of goodness. Turns out, a global explosion of pandemic and of suffering. But as I pointed out throughout this entire period of time, that it has, the, this pandemic has the signature of Mashiach on every aspect of it. Not that I am suggesting, as I, meant, I mentioned earlier, that it's wonderful and it's a good thing and everybody go pop the champagne bottles and celebrate. There's carnage and there's death and there's suffering. But at the same time, Written all over this pandemic is what, as mentioned, Corona really means crown. We are about to crown God. The, what's Mashiach? The crowning of, of, of Hashem, the crowning of Mashiach in the world. The other name for it, COVID 19, I'll share with you an amazing secret. We discussed it in earlier classes, but just that uh, we were learning about this on Shabbos in a class. God's name, the tetragrammaton, is twenty-six. Is yud ke vav ke. The numeric value of it is twenty-six. The hidden letters that are and that are hidden inside of it, which means not the open letters, but the yud, the God in every word letter. There's also hidden letters. So yud is yud vav aleph. Hey is he aleph vav is vav aleph vav, and hey is hey aleph. That means the letters that you don't you don't see it. Just like if I say b, for instance, in the Hebrew and the English language. A, B, C. So B, if I spell out B, it's B, E, E. So these hidden, the E, E is not a, when you look at a B, you don't see the E, E, but it's really there. So on, on all the letters. So the hidden letters in God's name, if you take all the letters, it's the Gematria of 45, which is the Gematria of Adam, man, 45. Yudke Vavke represents Hashem's name for, again, taking just the external letters, it's 26. The internal letters, is 45. Now, if you take the internal letters without the external letters, you do 45 minus 26 is 19. And it says that these 19 is particularly the same numeric value as Chava. Adam and Eve. Chava is Eve. Chava, Ches, Vez, Vav, He is 19. And that represents the interlude. Chava is the one that is here to express and to reveal of her husband. If her husband is God, the infinite, Adam, 26, which is the Yudke Vavke, we, as part of the Shekhinah, we are part of God's expression into the world. We are number 19. And our work is, through the 19, which is the Mului, we ultimately reveal the 26. So when the world is suddenly overtaken by COVID, which COVID is the same Hebrew word as the word Kavod, which COVID represents also God's level of kingship. COVID-19, which Kabbalah is full of this, that 19 is a powerful number of kingship. So as an introduction, as the world is about to come into this global recognition of God's kingship, one of the things that COVID did is that it made the entire world be one place. Everybody's impacted, everybody's affected. so on and so forth. It's a 19 introducing and leading us to the 26. So what what is it, good or bad, simultaneous? If we're tuning in to the panemius of it and recognizing that God is knocking on the door and saying, "I am here, ready to become king." It's like the time of the flood. You know, there were those that those that uh, you know just wanted to believe in the science. And didn't want to recognize that there is a creator and a master, and the flood is not a natural phenomenon; it's a godly retribution. So we have today also. We want to look, see this whole thing just as a a, a thing. And, you know, we will do so, make this, treat it with this, and with this, and with that, and with that. That's how the whole world will be saved. That's not doing any good because that's I mean, obviously. As in the medical field, and so on and so forth, people need to do whatever they need to do in order to help. Help. We have to help. Help protect people. And again, I'm, I'm staying out of the whole question of what exactly the method is. I'm saying the whole idea that this is just, you know, some something that we deal with scientifically. This is not what it is. It's much deeper than that. As we're watching that the scientists don't know what they're doing, because every day it's a different story. What they told us yesterday, tomorrow is different. Than now. This is going to happen. If i vaccinated, I'm not going to get sick now. This variant, and that variant, it's almost like you see what it says that God is laughing from the, from the, from the, from the Egyptians, from their scientists, from their great chacham. It's it's not about that. There is something much bigger, and it's really, really calling for all of us to ready ourselves for Mashiach. When Mashiach will come, there will be a flood, but it will be a flood of divine knowledge. This is where we are somehow, and I can't explain, I, myself, I don't know what, how, what, where, and when, I don't know. But I also am certain, without a shadow of a doubt, that this is not just another event like the Spanish flu or like that event. This is much bigger than that. Because this is, we are at the we are at the zone, we are at the time. And just like we discussed today, you can we can tune into this event on various different levels. We can tune into the fear, we can be terrified, we can just see it just from the most external level of, 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 of things, or we can tune in and just get angry and frustrated at the way it's being treated, and so on. and everybody's got their, as we said earlier, different, different sides, Taking sides whether this is the right way to go or that's God forbid bloody murder the worst thing to do that's not the point of my class point over here is we can stay at this level or we can go much deeper into it and tap into the higher element of what's going on. the higher element of going what's going on is God is saying to the world I am ready to put on the crown and please be be participants in this crowning of me by being joyfully my subject. And when we do that, we navigate the corona because we connect into the inner element of the corona, which is the coronation of God. And may we see that speedily in our days that whatever has been here from the mabel should prove itself and reveal itself to be the greatest gishmei bracha, the greatest blessed rains that we've ever seen. The great, great flood of godly light that is going to be revealed with the coming of the Shiach and may it be now. Thank you.